welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. Well, we welcome you once again to Magnolias First online worship, uh, and we are so thrilled that you would invite us into your homes and you're watching on your smart TVs or your mobile devices or perhaps on your computer, whatever the means, we are glad that you're a part of the worship experience here at Magnolia's First. Well, last Sunday, of course, was Mother's Day, and we hope that all you Magnolia First moms out there had a wonderful Mother's Day. Uh, many of you took advantage of the photo spots that we provided on our campus, and we're so glad that you did. We hope you got a great picture with your family. And uh, Cindy and I and Jessica decided to take a Mother's Day picture in our backyard, and we wanted to take one that uh, in years to come, we would look back and see that picture and go immediately, oh yeah, that was 2020. That was during the pandemic. And I think we accomplished that, and you'll understand that when you see this. Yeah, there'll be no mistaking that was the pandemic Mother's Day. But uh, Jessica and I thought that that picture really didn't do her mom justice. And so we took this second one that shows how pretty she really is. And I like that, that picture. We had a great Mother's Day, and I hope all of you moms did as well. Well, as you know, we are moving toward next Sunday, May the 24th, uh, as the potential day to reopen in-person worship here at Magnolia's First. Assuming that the governor continues to move our state forward in the phasing and that there is not a significant spike in the COVID numbers in our area, then we will next Sunday begin to have in-person worship. We will continue to provide all three of our English worship styles online at the same times, uh, traditions at 9 o'clock, encounter at 10 o'clock, and resonate at 11 o'clock. All of those will continue to be online. And by the way, if you are having trouble with your internet and you're not able to stream well, if you will let us know. In fact, email me, edc at magnoliasfirst.org and we will deliver to you on Saturday either a flash drive or a DVD, whichever you need, that will have those online services ready for you to play. So we want you to be a part of online worship. Uh, but if you choose to come, uh, then we are providing additional services, uh, and all of the service schedules will be on our website, m1bc.org. And uh, there are two tradition services, two resonate services, and the encounter service. And uh, we hope that you will come if you are healthy and not showing any symptoms and you're not a senior adult who is at risk with underlying health issues. Uh, if, you, if you are at risk, we encourage you to stay home until we know it's safe. But if you choose to come and worship in person, uh, then we have a number of different service opportunities for you. And we are prayerfully moving forward and looking forward to that great day next Sunday. Well, we're continuing in our series in which we are looking at the stories 
of biblical characters and how they responded to God in the midst of a crisis. And the series is entitled Lifeline, How to Grab God's Hand When You're Going Under. And sometimes in this pandemic, we can feel like that. And I think these stories speak to what we are going through in these days. Well, today we're going to look at the story of the Old Testament prophet Daniel. And it's a familiar story if you grew up in church as I did. Uh, And there's a tendency when a story is familiar for us to perhaps subconsciously or unintentionally think of the central character in the story as kind of like a a fictional character, like it's a a fable or a a fairy tale or something. And I want to ask you to resist that tendency during these weeks because these were not fictional characters. These were real people. And they had not read their stories in the Bible because the Bible did not yet exist when they were living out these experiences and relating to their God in crisis. And so today, as we look at the story of Daniel, we will see that he was unlike Jonah, whose story we examined last week, that instead of running away from God, as Jonah did, Daniel was faithful to God. And he exhibited what I've titled today's message courage, courage. And our big idea that I will flesh out and unpack during this message is this, courage values convictions more than it fears consequences. And so if you have your Bibles, open them please to Daniel chapter 6. And while you're finding Daniel chapter 6, let me give you just a little bit of historical context. In the sixth chapter of Daniel, the Medes had conquered the Babylonians, and they had taken over the kingdom that had enslaved and exiled many of the Jews. And so as Daniel 6 opens, there's a new king in the kingdom. His name is Darius, and he opens his rule by restructuring the government of the kingdom, instituting a new form and structure of government. And in this new structure, he would have three governors that would rule just under the king. Their positions would be powerful and influential. And Daniel, who was one of the Jews who was in captivity and exile there in the kingdom, was one of the three that King Darius had chosen. Daniel had proven himself to be a great leader. And so not only did he become one of the three top leaders, the king had even greater plans for Daniel. So let's see it from the biblical text, Daniel chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. 
Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Daniel's excellence in his work rose to the top, and his integrity, his character, his diligence caused the king to see him as a great and capable leader. And that principle, that truth is still true today. There are two places in which the genuineness of your faith really becomes evident. Those two places are in your home and at your work. And this was certainly true in Daniel's work. Daniel was a man who sought to honor God in every part of his life, and the excellence of his work exhibited the genuineness of his faith, even though he served a pagan king. Look back at the narrative, verse 4. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Here's what was true for Daniel, and it's still true for us today. If you live with godly character and integrity, most people will admire and respect you. And we think that's how it ought to be. And in fact, in a perfect and just world, that's how it would be. Everyone would admire and applaud and respect you. And most will. But we don't live in a perfect world. And the truth is, there will be some who will resent you and criticize you. And that's what happened to Daniel. Daniel had done nothing wrong, and yet these fellow officers were envious and they were jealous. They could not truthfully criticize him for anything he did because he carried out his responsibilities flawlessly and with excellence. And so they devised a devious plot. And in order to carry out this plot, they had to deceive and entrap the king. They pretended to honor him when in reality they were just using him. Look at how they perpetrated their plot to entrap and destroy Daniel, though Daniel had done no wrong. Verse 6. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, 
issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. They used an unusual part of the law to entrap the king to enacting an order that could not be changed. No doubt evil grins spread across their faces when they realized they had successfully tricked the king into this irrevocable decree that would result in Daniel being cast into a pit with hungry lions. People without character, people who have no integrity, will often be devious and deceptive and malicious and dishonest. And can I say all those kinds of people didn't live in ancient Babylon. They're still around today. And so it happened to Daniel. Go back to the text and look at verse 9. So King Darius signed the law, the law that would result in Daniel's being thrown into the den of lions. Let me share a few things I learned about lions this week. Lions are predators of the highest order. They are machines of killing. They're not called the king of the jungle for nothing. They can leap about 14 feet in a single jump. They weigh somewhere between 250 and 500 pounds. They have the pulling power of 14 to 21 men, and they can run more than 40 miles per hour. They have triple the reaction speed of a human being. And the way that they hunt is to hide and to stalk their prey and then to suddenly jump and pounce upon them, roaring as loudly as they can, which serves to terrorize the victim. Lions will attack animals five times their size, and they will, they will pounce upon them and tenaciously attack them until they kill them and consume their flesh in one sitting. And just to give you a frame of reference, they can eat 30% of their own weight at one time. That would be the equivalent of a 150-pound man eating 200 Big Macs. Lions are incredible killers. And that's exactly what these men who hated Daniel had in mind. They knew the lions could rip Daniel to shreds in an instant and devour him in moments. To know that he was going to be thrown into the den with hungry lions could only mean death in their minds. When Daniel learned what had been done, that the law had been enacted, Daniel did what a person of great faith should do in a time of crisis. He prayed to and trusted in his God. Verse 10, 
But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. For Daniel, the heat was on. His life was at stake. And unless he turned away from faithfulness to his God, unless he were to declare that he did not believe in his God, unless he agreed not to pray to his God, he knew that he could die. But Daniel wouldn't give in to fear. The verse says he prayed three times a day just as he had always done. And though this conveys the regularity of his prayer, as was his custom, it does not reflect the intensity of his prayer in that time. For I believe Daniel prayed more intensely than he had ever prayed in his life. Daniel didn't do what the prophet Elijah did. Do you remember that story? Elijah, the prophet of God who confronted the prophets of the false god Baal, and he called down fire from heaven, and God sent it that not only consumed the altar, but killed the false prophets. And then after that great demonstration of the power of God, a threat from the wicked king caused Elijah to turn and run. And he ran as far and as fast as he could. Daniel could have run, but instead he trusted in his God and he fell on his knees and he prayed and he believed that though he could not understand what it possibly could be, he believed that his God had a plan. That's what courage does. Courage stands firm in its convictions where cowardice surrenders to avoid consequences. Daniel had courage. He knew that his enemies hated him. He knew that they would know exactly where to find him. He knew that they would discover him praying because Daniel's pattern and faithfulness of prayer was known to everyone. And that's exactly what happened. Verse 11. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Daniel knew about the law. Daniel knew that his enemies had perpetrated this plot to have him cast into the den of lions. Daniel knew what lions did to their prey. And Daniel saw no escape but he trusted in God anyway. That's what conviction does. A person of conviction trusts God and does what is right, even if he or she has to pay a price for doing so. Once again, the narrative, verse 12. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. 
Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king. That man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. And in that moment, King Darius realized what they had done, that they had set a trap for Daniel, and they used him to do it. And he knew there was no way out. Verse 14. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. At that moment, they knew they were saying, King Darius, we've got him, and we've got you. Though you respected Daniel, though you cared for him and admired him and valued him in your kingdom, you are bound by your own law, O king, to throw him to death. Verse 16. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I believe this was a powerful and emotional moment between two friends. I believe these were two men who respected one another, who admired one another, who valued one another, who cared about one another. And I believe as the king was forced to have this man whose faith he had watched every day thrown into what would be sure death, I believe it was a gut-wrenching experience. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. King Darius could hear the roar of the lions as Daniel was dropped into that pit. And as the stone was rolled in place to seal it, and he could only imagine the savage attack that could be taking place. I think it's important at this point in the story to remind ourselves of something. Daniel was not in the land because of something he did wrong, but because of something he did right. 
And we live in a world in which even though we do things right, we may find ourselves under attack by the forces of evil. We are in continual spiritual battle, and yet our God is a great victorious God. Verse 18, Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. The king spent a sleepless night racked with guilt for his unintentional role in casting Daniel into a death sentence. He believed that his friend could lose his life, and he was racked with worry that that might indeed take place and that he would already be dead. And yet, Daniel's faith in his God had so impacted the king that he believed just maybe Daniel's God could and would rescue him. And I believe he was awake all night impatiently awaiting dawn so that he could go back to the den of lions to see if his friend was alive. Verse 19. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And I'm taking a bit of artistic license here, but I can just imagine there was a pregnant pause, a moment of silence and fear for the heart of King Darius about his friend, his friend who served his God first and the king second. And I believe it was gut-wrenching when he just waited and listened. And then he heard that voice. That voice that he feared had been silenced forever. Come from the pit of the lions. Verse 21, Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Verse 23 says, The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him. Now look, for he had trusted in his God. What a powerful story. What powerful lessons for us. So much for you to look at this story, not just as a, a story from the Bible, uh, uh, a display of an ancient character. I want you and 
eye to see the powerful and profound lessons for us in our lives today from the courage of Daniel. That courage means trusting in God even when you can see no way out. And some of you may be there today in the midst of this pandemic with health concerns and economic concerns and employment concerns and relationship concerns and so many other life circumstances that may feel like a den of lions to you and you may feel threatened, I want to challenge you to have courage. Courage based not in your own abilities. Courage based in your faith in God. Because listen, my friend, if God can rescue Daniel from the lions, he can rescue you from whatever threats you are facing. The same God that rescued Daniel is the same God who cares for you. If you are a Christ follower, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a son or daughter of the living God. You are a child of the King. And He loves you. And He will care for you. And He has a plan to rescue you. God protected and validated Daniel for doing what was right. But even if God had not protected him, Daniel would have still had the courage to do what was right. And the question that we must ask is, do we? Do we have godly courage? I want to ask you two simple questions as I close the message to challenge you to take the next steps of faith from the lesson we've learned from Daniel's story. Here's the first. What are you facing right now that demands courage and conviction? It may be something huge or it may be a number of smaller things, but what are you facing right now that God is testing your courage and is testing your convictions? Meet the test. Live with courage. Stand with convictions. And so here's my closing question. When people watch your life, do they see someone committed to do what's right no matter the cost? And here's the truth. People learn character by watching the people they care about and seeing character displayed in their lives. And you may not think someone is watching you, but they are. If you are a Christ follower and you've not been ashamed to make that known, people are watching you. And the question is, what are they seeing? Are they seeing courage? Are they seeing conviction? I pray that in my life, and yours, they are. Courage values convictions more than it fears consequences. May I pray for you. Heavenly Father, help us to be men and women of faith, of courage, 
and of convictions. In a world that seems to not know what truth is, help us to stand with grace and humility for truth, to be uncompromising, always gracious and kind, but uncompromisingly courageous with convictions that are based upon the Word of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.